Getting going on another episode of the ISO with a return guest, one of my favorite guests who so graciously comes on uh, maybe every six months or so, either previews or recaps the college basketball season. Uh, he's the insider's insider from CBS Sports, Gary Parrish. Gary, thanks for joining. You kidding me? It's my pleasure. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, for sure. So, you have a lot of prep leading into the season. I know you go to a lot of practices. You you kind of start working your big picture story ideas for the year, talking to coaches, going to different campuses. What's been on your docket the last month or so? Because we're, what, about four weeks out from games going? Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Like, usually, because my primary job is, uh, you know, covering college basketball for CBS Sports. Um, but for CBS Sports Network, I have also this offseason been doing a lot of uh, fill-in guest hosting on a television show called Time to Shine. So um, I say all that to say I've been back and forth in New York. It, it feels like 10 times this summer, this 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 offseason, which makes it feel like that oh, I didn't really even have an offseason. So it's wild to me that we're so close to the start of the season again. To be clear, I'm not complaining. I love yeah. doing everything I get to do. But it has really snuck up on, on me that said, you know, on the Ion college basketball podcast for CBS sports that I do with Matt Norlander, we, we did a series this summer where we previewed 20 different notable teams. We're now doing our conference previews and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's great homework and also wonderful at getting you excited about another season of college basketball. And I think this one, um, is going to be better than most in the sense that we 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 enter a season with some familiar faces that that yeah. other eras would not be in school. You know, Armando Baycott is back at North Carolina. Drew Timmy is back at Gonzaga. Um, uh, Oscar Shibway is back at Kentucky. Hunter Dickinson is back at Michigan. These are all guys who are maybe flawed NBA prospects for various reasons but awesome college basketball players. And with name, image, and likeness now being a reality, what's interesting is we have reached a point where if you can be a lottery pick, you should definitely do that. If you could be a first round pick, you should definitely do that. But if you're, you know, maybe an undrafted free agent type of guy, or even mm -hmm. a second round pick type of guy, now the system is set up where you can make more money playing college basketball legally than you can make playing professional basketball anywhere short of of the nba and so you know i i'm, I'm not pocket watching i don't know exactly what drew timmy's going to make this year but i think it's safe to assume drew timmy's going to make more money playing for the zags this season than he would have made playing professional basketball this season and that, that that that's a tremendous thing for the sport because one of the the big issues with college basketball in, in most of my adult life is that the roster turnover from year to year is so dramatic that you look up and you don't know who's on Kentucky's team this season. You don't know who's on Duke's team this season. It's all new faces. No other mainstream sport in America deals with that. And though it's still a thing in college basketball. When you get a lot of these guys back who were already established, awesome college players, I don't think there's any way to spin it as anything other than really good for the sport. Yeah, I would agree with you. And it's funny you mentioned four 
bigs, basically right. fours or fives as being the, the face of college basketball this year. It's funny. I just reconnected, uh, you know, with a couple guys from, from my era, my senior year four all Americans, there was four basic guards and one big and drew drew good. Right. This year you could see four post players and maybe one guard sneak into that. Sure. You know, there's an evolution of the game that constantly happens why do you think it's four bigs right now? Is it because you think they were flawed for the professional game? Or do you think it's because they're so skilled they, they can stand out at the college game? What's interesting is I think it is a direct byproduct of things that happen at the NBA level that really have nothing to do with college basketball. In the NBA, you can still be a traditional big and make a living in that league, but you are not a desirable prospect. You know, now... In that league, you as a five need to be able to guard in space. They like you to be able to rim protect and they like you to be able to shoot threes. Those are the three most important things. Can you guard in space? Because if not, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but like they just can put you in ball screens every possession. So you get played off the court. Like the Grizzlies had a series against the Timberwolves where their, their starting center, Steven Adams, who's a traditional big, was rendered useless. Like he could not play in the series. They benched him. I mean, literally, I don't mean they reduced his role. I mean, he just, after game one, he didn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way the NBA works now. So what, what has happened is we get these awesome post players in college basketball where these things are important, but they're not as important. You don't have to be able to shoot threes as a five in college basketball to be awesome or to guard in space to be awesome. Um, you know, College basketball players, even at the highest level, college basketball teams rather at the highest, they 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 they're not skilled enough to punish you um, yeah. in the ways that NBA teams can just punish you. And I mean, not to get too far off track, but I remember talking to Bob Huggins about this um, many years ago when he started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when 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 Hugs was started pressing at West Virginia. You know, I, I said, why, why, why did I was just really interested? Like, why did you start doing this? What makes it work? And why does it not work in the NBA? And again, this is basic stuff for somebody who played in that league like you. But he said in college basketball, almost no team has five players on the court at the same time who can dribble, pass and shoot. So you find <laughs> you you find the guy that that, that that they don't want to have the ball and you press in a way that forces them to throw it to him and then you take it from him. And you just can't do that in the NBA. Similarly. Um, in, 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 in college, they're not going to punish you the way NBA teams will punish you. But if you've got a Hunter Dickinson or a Drew Timmy or a Trace Jackson Davis or a Oscar Shibway or a Armando Baycott, those guys, I think some of them will play in the NBA, but none of them are great NBA prospects. So they're incredibly valuable college basketball players. And I mean that like in a literal sense, like they're really valuable, worth a lot of money and less valuable NBA prospects. So they get pushed back to school, whereas uh, great guards are still great guards. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a place for great guards in the NBA. Great wings, athletic wings, there's still a place for you as an NBA prospect. But traditional bigs, um, you can get there. But, I mean, I've had some NBA front office people tell me they wouldn't even take a traditional big, no matter how awesome he is, in the top 15 of any draft period and would be hesitant to take any center um, in the top 
10 period with few exceptions like Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyana um, being, being again, exceptions to that rule. So when you're a awesome traditional college big, there's just no great place for you to go right now. Yeah. But there's a lot of great monetary reasons for you to stay. And that's how you get these preseason all American teams looking the way they do really um, leaning into the awesome bigs because these days, if you're an awesome guard, unless you're undersized, you're probably in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an awesome wing, you're probably in the NBA, but an awesome big, you might just stay in college. <laughs> you know, and I think the NIL is like you mentioned, uh, is a big part of that. What's the most creative uh, or eye catching NIL deal that you've seen? Well, the one that got the biggest headlines because they were just so out front with it was Nigel Pack going to Miami because we all know Drew is making a lot of money at, at, at Gonzaga and Oscar Shibway is making a lot of money at Kentucky, but nobody's ever really put a number on it, yeah. like a, like an actual dollar figure. You know, I've heard people say it could be more than a million dollars or maybe $2 million, but nobody's ever said, this is what he's getting to do this. And yet at, at Miami with Nigel Peck, that's exactly what it was for people who don't follow it too closely. And you'd have to follow it closely to know who Nigel Peck yeah. was. He's an unheralded recruit who's, you know, played for a bad team at Kansas state last season, but he was one of the more heralded transfers. And Miami's got a booster named John Ruiz, who was literally a billionaire and grew up in Miami and like loves the hurricanes and uh, you know, football, basketball, the whole deal. And he's got a company called life wallet, which is uh, um, an app on your phone where you store all of your medical information. And he has started hiring student athletes via name, image, and likeness opportunities to promote this website for him. And Nigel Peck literally got, a two-year deal worth $800,000 to be a <laughs> spokesperson for Life Wallet. Now, if you went on the day that he signed that contract and looked at Nigel Peck's um, social media following, it, it, it is so obviously not worth $400,000 per year. Like I I have a, and most people in my industry have a bigger social media following than, than Nigel Peck had at that time and still does. But what's the NCAA going to do about that? You know, John Ruiz is a accomplished trial attorney. He mm-hmm. begged them. He, he begged them to come do something with him. I'll, I'll take you to court and I'll sue you and you'll lose again. And so I, I can sort of appreciate the way they just put it out there. Like Nigel Pack is going to sign with Miami. And the reason he's doing it is not because he's always dreamed of living in Coral Gables or he loves Jim Laranaga. It's because he's literally getting paid $400,000 a year to do it. And so that to me is the most interesting one because it just put it out there yeah. you know, on, on front street, this is the deal and we're not shying away from it. And I think that'll become more normal as this all becomes more normal. Well, you're just putting it out there. Another yeah. thing that was just put out there was Kentucky and Gonzaga with a six year series, yeah. you know, coach Cal as well as anybody, cause you're from Memphis. He spent a number of years uh, in Memphis with the Tigers What's the deal with he says they're playing at Gonzaga yeah. on Gonzaga's schedule? It says neutral because it's at year one of a six year contracts at the Spokane Arena, which will be great for Gonzaga fans because it seats about 12,000 as opposed to the McCarthy Athletic Center with six. I would imagine there's quite a few Kentucky fans that make that trek, but give us your take on that. Well, I wasn't surprised. So the background on it is John and Mark. John was hosting a 
a, a, a fundraiser for, um, uh, you know, a natural disaster that happened in the state of Kentucky. And he brought a lot of college basketball coaches on to sort of help with it. And he brought Mark on and Mark was great. You know, he complimented the Kentucky players on the role they were playing to raise this money and how they were using their celebrity for good, but it was all leading towards something. You could tell that there was something pre-planned and ultimately they sort of acted like they were just talking off the cuff, like, Hey, well, maybe we should do this, but it was obviously all planned. And I noticed and you wouldn't know, you wouldn't notice this unless you know John Calipari. But given that I was his beat writer for four years, I've known him for 20. Um, I know the way he speaks. I know how intentional he is with his words. And I knew the way that he said what he said, that he, I knew what it meant. I was the first person, as far as I know, to pick up on this. So Mark was like, it'd be an honor to bring my team to Rupp Arena. And John was like, and then we'll come to Spokane. But he never said, we'll come to McCarthy. And he never <laughs> said, we'll come to the kennel. He said, we're going to play in Spokane. And I, that night, I I know the next morning I wrote a column that said, I'll be surprised if we don't find out he is not going to the kennel. Because, and this is a bit of a funny story, when he was the coach at Memphis, and he and Mark were looking for a similar thing. Like, they're overwhelming their leagues. And they want to test each other like in January or February. Yeah. And sometimes they played in November, December, but like they got to a point where they wanted to play each other uh, out of conference in the conference part of the schedule. And <laughs> Mark obviously was willing to come to FedEx for him. There, there's nowhere else Memphis plays, but John made the argument and this was always hilarious, but perfect Calipari. He said, um, he said, okay, yeah, you guys come to FedEx for him and then we'll play you in downtown Spokane. And Mark was like, nah, you know, come to the kennel. And he was like, well, no, we, we, I'm not asking you to play me on my campus. So why would I play you on your campus? And Mark was like, but you don't have an on-campus <laughs> arena. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, listen, if, if I'm not coming to your, if you're not coming to my campus, I'm not coming to your campus. And he was like half laughing, but half like blown away. He's actually arguing this as if it's the same thing. And he's like, John, your home arena is in downtown Memphis. My home arena is not in downtown Spokane. He's like, I'll come to downtown Spokane. You come to downtown Memphis. That seems fair. And you know how few he is. Like, he's just trying to get to fly fishing. He's not going to sit here and argue with you all day on the yeah. phone. So he's like, whatever. Okay, fine. What, fine. But he never, you know, Memphis and, and, and Gonzaga played, I think, six times. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes with John Calipari, then Josh Pastner came in. But the Tigers never went to the kennel. So I, I wrote this column because I picked up on it. And sure enough, it was right. They just, John had refused to go to the kennel. And he tries to spin it in all these ways that don't make sense to any reasonable person, but whatever, that's who he is. And um, so I was, I, it was nice to hear that when they extended it to six years in that last year, Kentucky will play at the kennel. <laughs> um, and I think that is a direct result of the backlash that John got for not taking the Wildcats there uh, this season. Now, some have made the point that by the time you get to year six of this deal, John Calipari won't be coaching Kentucky anymore. Okay. And that's possibly true, but Kentucky will play at the kennel in the final year of this contract. And, and that's a good thing because you, you know, this better than I, it, it that's just a great, great home environment and yes. college basketball is so much better in true road home atmospheres and I know Spokane Arena will be terrific. And if you're looking for a positive, it will allow more Zach fans to be in the building to witness 
you know, what what will be one of the great non-league matchups in college basketball this season, but it's not the same. And so that's why I actually love that Gonzaga officially is not calling this a home game because you're not playing in Gonzaga's home. You are playing in their home city, but not in their home arena. And those are two very different things. If they weren't obviously very different things, then John wouldn't be trying to fight to not have to go there. <laughs> I love it because I know you, you know, both those coaches. Well, yeah. it's funny though, how, you know, Gonzaga continues to just load up their schedule. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, somebody threw this idea out there at me and I'm not going to say who it was. Could you ever envision an independent division one basketball program that has an enormous amount of success? Yeah. I mean, like if, if Notre Dame can do it in football, then I don't understand why a big brand like Gonzaga couldn't do it in basketball if it wanted to, I don't know um, that it would want to because not that they ever need it, but you know, you give up a right to an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, you know, scheduling all those games, like in January, February, March, people are in their conference schedules and you'd have to find like 18 schools that are willing to, to play you in a time of the calendar where they're, they don't want to play non-league opponents. Typically like you can, if you're Mark, you know, find a Memphis once upon a time, or I'm certain somebody else, but do you want to go through all the trouble of finding 18 schools to you try need to play a staff just for scheduling to get That's that? Right. That's right. So it, it seems like if I, so I guess I'd answer your question a couple of different ways. Is it, could I imagine it? Yes. I think it's possible you could do it, but do you want to do it? Is it, is it worth doing? Because I know we take it for granted given where that program is at, that, you know, West coast conference titles are just, almost a birthright they seem at this point and West coast conference tournaments, all that stuff, but like those still should be celebrated. Like, yes, you know, I, I hope Gonzaga fans never take for granted what has been built there. Um, you were an early awesome part of that. Um, you know, I, uh, this thing has become a monster, but it's become a monster in a relatively short amount of time. I was in college at Memphis and I'm sure we've talked about this before when Gonzaga came in to play the Tigers at the pyramid and literally had never really heard of even a place called Gonzaga. Like didn't really even know that that was a thing. Richie Fromm, I think had 37 points that night. It was the Richie Fromm thing. And um, now that was the year where I think the Zags end up going to the elite eight. Right. Um, or, or sweet, like they went, that was like the beginning of it, but this oh, was, yeah. Novi- yeah, but this was like November of it at the very beginning. And so much so that when I can remember having to write NCAA tournament previews and uh, a Gonzaga fan wrote me after they read something in the newspaper I was working at, it was like, you have to understand we are the Gonzaga Bulldogs or the Zags, but we're not the Gonzaga Zags. It was like, you, we were still just learning. What is, yeah. all, what is this? And for it to now be literally one of the best programs in America um, is, is, is super remarkable. And I think you can argue it's the best program in America, even though the second you say that people want to point out that they still haven't won a national championship, but that's coming. I genuinely believe that that's coming. You can't be this great this often without 
getting there eventually, I don't think. Um, but that that's obviously the the next step. And I, I guess to circle back to my initial point, like just because you win these West Coast Conference championships every year doesn't mean that they shouldn't be celebrated and appreciated. And um, I, I hope nobody ever, ever takes that for granted because, um, you know, there are other programs that have had incredible runs with coaches. And then it just, when that coach retires or moves on, it, it sort of falls apart. Like UMass with John Calipari, they've never been the same since he left. Mm -hmm. Frankly, Memphis has never been the same since he left. I, I think there's such a strong foundation there that even when Mark walks away, um, whoever succeeds him is going to be able to keep that thing going at a at a at a high level. But the level it's been operating at is, ooh, I mean, just almost unimaginable. And I hope I hope that never gets taken for granted. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And with my college basketball analyst duties, I travel all across the country and I'll talk to athletic directors, I'll talk to coaches. And they ask me, what's the special ingredient behind Gonzaga basketball? And it's hard to put your finger on one particular thing, but everybody wants to know about that program and how it's been built for longevity. Uh, so it is pretty amazing. And I think it is only a matter of time. Last question, Gary, before I let you go, there's lots of great storylines in basketball the nil is starting to get figured out a little bit more the return of a bunch of bigs um can north carolina repeat uh or excuse me can, can kansas repeat what what's the biggest storyline to you there's a bunch i don't think there's like one obvious one there's a bunch of really interesting ones like you know john calipari hasn't won an NCAA tournament game in a little while you know since 2019 uh, obviously coming off, you know, in 2021 had the worst season um, in modern Kentucky history and then backed it with a first run loss to St. Peter's. I, I think they're going to be great this season. I've got them preseason top five, but if they're not for some reason, he's going to have real, th that fan base has already turned on him a little. It'll get real ugly if they struggle at any point this season. Um, can, can Mark finally, and I think finally that acts like he's overdue or something. Like it's hard to win a national championship. Yeah. It's especially hard to win it at a program, you know, out of the West Coast Conference. You know, like, but but can Mark Few get Gonzaga that national title? Can Kelvin Sampson get a national title at, at Houston? Um, is North Carolina just a team that got hot late last season, or is that legitimately a team that comes back and looks like a true contender right from the jump? Um, you know, can Indiana? Uh, in a second year under Mike Woodson, win the Big Ten title because they 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 look like on paper they're they're the team best positioned to do it, and then again having all these guys back in college that we're already familiar with, I mean you don't have to be a college basketball fan to know that Drew Timmy exists, that Oscar Shibway is a person, uh, that that Armando Baycott is a person, and so having um, you know some of these 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 big names back in college that that's massive, and and. And then like John Shire, you know, replacing Mike Krzyzewski at Duke with the number one recruiting class in the country. How does that go? So there's interesting stuff all around the country. And, uh, but I don't know that there's one super duper um, uh, uh, storyline that, that's going to dominate it. Like this time last year, if you just said, what's the storyline heading to see? Well, Mike Krzyzewski's final year. That's pretty yeah. easy. That's, that was the big story. There's a bunch of really good ones and, and some of them right there in your home state. 
Well, I can't wait to follow and track all of those storylines, and I'm sure we'll connect throughout the season. Hopefully I have you on as a guest again at some point, but uh, appreciate the time. Your insight is always awesome, and uh, I love reading your your articles, your columns, because uh, I always file a couple nuggets away right, preparing for my broadcast. So thanks, Gary. Brother, it's uh, my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on, and anytime you ask, I'll be here for you. Awesome. And if you do happen to come to that Kentucky neutral site game against Gonzaga, let me know. We'll uh, we'll chop it up in person that day. I'd like to do that. I'll, I'll be in touch for sure. I'll see you, brother.